the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So what do you think of when you hear the word interruption? Interruption. I mean, what do you think of besides being a child and sort of asking your parent a question when they were in the middle of a conversation? An interruption is, um, it means different things, but it, generally speaking, you could say that it's a breaking of continuity. Uh, it's something that causes a stoppage of something. As, a, as, a, as I've sort of needed to write more in my career, I've become very cognizant of interruptions. What, what constitutes an interruption and what doesn't? But I think that the, the term can be used sort of more broadly in the way that that definition of sort of a stoppage of continuity uh, implies. What are the interruptions you and I deal with? Well, uh, these days, a delivery gets interrupted by supply chain problems. That's uh, very sort of germane right now at Christmas time. But a face to face conversation uh, can be interrupted by a notification on one's phone. A peaceful weekend uh, can be interrupted by a work emergency. A productive workday can be interrupted with a call, theoretically, a call from your child's school. Um, a good sleep can be interrupted by a bad dream or a loud noise or uh, a baby screaming. A commute can be interrupted by a traffic accident or the sort of never-ending construction uh, in Charlottesville uh, City. A workout can be interrupted by an injury. A movie can be interrupted by commercials, a game as well. Uh, COVID basically interrupts everything your travel plans, your sort of uh, holiday plans, your gathering plans, it's, uh, it continues to interrupt us. But are there more serious interruptions? I mean, what about a person whose year is interrupted by a call from their doctor's office with, a, with, a, with a not a good prognosis? A happy adolescence can be interrupted by a parent's divorce. Uh, someone's path toward, toward financial security can be interrupted by a tree falling on their car. A career can be interrupted by, by a downturn or a merger or all manner of sort of managerial decisions. Some, you could say that life is actually one interruption after another. There's always something, right? There's always something. One interruption after another. Now, interruptions, I think, are usually unpleasant. We usually use it in that, that way, especially to the extent we've, we've attached ourselves to certain plans. But an interruption can be positive, I think. Sometimes beauty, beauty itself, can interrupt us. It can cause a stoppage or break in the continuity of our day. I think of that scene in Shawshank Redemption uh, where uh, Andy, played by Tim Robbins, sneaks in and plays an aria, uh, an opera aria, over the loudspeakers uh, where the inmates of the prison are gathered, and they just are stopped in their tracks, and they look up, and they listen to this beautiful music. They have been interrupted by beauty, I thought of this also this past week while watching the new documentary, Listening to Kenny G. Listening to Kenny G. Now, if you don't know Kenny G, he's, he's only the, mo the best-selling instrumental artist of all time. Uh, you may know him as the guy with the curly hair and the saxophone. But I found out in this documentary, which is highly entertaining, that in China, <clears throat> when at the close of the workday, uh, they 
it, all across the country, there is a Kenny G song called Going Home that is played. And whatever you're doing, if you're in the middle of a sentence, if you're in the middle of a lesson, you stop, you're interrupted, and you, you make for the door. It is it's when, when malls are closing, when schools are at an end, you hear this song, this simple Kenny G melody, and you know it's time to go. And Kenny, of course, is a, is a big star in China, so he, he played a concert and he talked about playing the song Going Home sort of in the middle of the show, and everyone got up to leave. And uh, he said he'd learned that he now has to play it only at the end. But a song can interrupt a person. Now, I say that because the Christmas story is a story of interruption, or to use the more popular phrase today, disruption. Both Mary and Elizabeth, in our reading, they're living their lives, humble lives from all we can tell, sort of well within the normal continuity of things. They're living these lives when all of a sudden they get pregnant, very unexpectedly. You see, Elizabeth is far too old for this to be happening, and Mary far too young. This was not in the cards, not in the normal continuity. Now what we see is that interruptions like this, interruptions more generally, they often function like kind of a a PCR test for faith. Uh, These are the instances in our lives where the presence or lack thereof of faith is revealed. Uh, It becomes evident or it doesn't. And in both cases, it is highly evident because both of these remarkable women give way to the interruption. They surrender, they yield to it. Mary has the famous line, you know, let it be unto me according to thy will. Uh, But Elizabeth is going along with something that's quite unconventional herself. Mary, though, is at the beginning of her life, so she has more to lose. She, in, in this miraculous fashion, let's make no mistake, it is miraculous, she accepts a whole new set of facts on the ground. Mary thought her life was going to be one thing, but she realizes in this moment it's going to be another. Which I say is miraculous because people, myself included, almost never act this way when their plans are impeded. You and I work tirelessly to minimize and avoid interruptions. We rebel against interruptions. We scold our children. We get resentful at the construction site. Of course, digging in our heels never does any good, but that's how we often act. So the miracle of Mary and Elizabeth lies in her ability to yield and to not only accept the interruption, but that the interruption is a blessing. You see, she doesn't simply have, uh, uh, she doesn't simply sort of say, oh, I guess this is happening now. No, she has faith that God is doing something good despite evidence to the contrary. And that's what it means for her to be blessed. You know, that's the word that gets used here so much. To see God in the world and trust that God is at work even when we cannot discern, understand, or imagine that work. Okay, so Mary and Elizabeth's lives were interrupted with pregnancies. This morning, our lives are interrupted with a song. It's Mary's song, and thankfully it has words. It is not a Kenny G song. It is what is called the Magnificat. 
And it begins with her saying, my soul glorifies, uh, uh, magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Now, not only is she responding to the interruption of her life, she is responding with a further interruption. Now, what do I mean? I mean that her words capture an interruption in the normal order of things, an interruption of our instinctual values and status quo. You see, we think, I think, implicitly that that God, to the extent that God is there, God looks with favor on the accomplishments of those who love him. He, he, He looks with favor on the reputation of his servant. Or maybe he looks, he looks with favor on the great personality of his servant. Uh, his, that servant's ability to deliver just a humdinger of a sermon. God looks, we presume, uh, with favor on, on, on our ability to approximate an Instagrammable Christmas. But no, that's not what we hear here. We hear that God looks with favor on the lowliness of his sermon, of his servant, the lowliness of his servant. My introduction to this sort of radical interruption of grace, because that's what this is, it's the radical interruption of grace into the world in the person of Jesus Christ. It came when I was a, a younger man, uh, not just growing up in church, but, but it, it, you sort of have to find these things for yourselves. And I, I found myself living in New York City and attending every once in a while a Redeemer Presbyterian Church where Tim Keller was the pastor, and he's become quite a well-known figure, and whatever you think of him, he, he's, he's very eloquent. And he, he, he was interviewed recently, last week, in World Magazine, and they were trying to get this, he's retired now, and he's got some, some ailments, but they, they asked him, because his, his ministry had done so well, you know, I would go to these services and just be jammed with people, all sorts of folks. And they said to him, what attracted these successful Manhattanites to the gospel? And he said this, he said, well, they had lived their whole lives with parents, music teachers, coaches, professors, and bosses, telling them to do better, be better, try harder. So in their view, God was the ultimate taskmaster with unfulfillable demands. To hear that God himself had met those demands for righteousness through the life and death of Jesus, and now there was no condemnation left for anyone who trusted in that righteousness? Well, that was an amazingly freeing message. What Tim is articulating is the interruption of grace, of a God who looks with favor on the lowliness of his servants. So different from all that we assume and experience to be true. Because this is what Christmas is actually about. It's about the, the good news that because or since our stubborn hearts have such a hard time turning to God in the midst of, of life, God chose to turn his heart toward us, to interrupt our busy lives in the form of, of pure love and tenderness, the baby in the manger who, who, who upturns, or you might even say puts right our presumptions about what matters as well as what is actually happening in our lives. 
I'll close with this. The poet Jessica Powers described the interruption of grace in her own life. Uh, this is in, the, I think, the mid-1950s. She, she, she captured in verse the, when she realized that God looked favorably on her own lowliness. Now, reading this poetry last week, it stopped me cold, uh, sort of like a, a Shawshank inmate. Um, so I thought I'd read a little bit of to you uh, today. This is what she said. She said, I am copying down in a book from my heart's archive the day that I ceased to fear God. Would you name it the day that I measured my, my column of virtue and cited through windows of merit a crown that was near? Ah, uh, no. It was rather the day I began to see truly that I came forth from nothing and that the works of my hands are a foolishness wrought in the presence of the worthiest king in a kingdom that shall never end. I rose up from the acres of self that I tended with passion and defended with flurries of pride. I walked out of myself and went into the woods of God's mercy. And here I abide. There is greenness and calmness and coolness, a soft leafy covering from judgment of sun overhead and the hush of his peace and the moss of his mercy to tread. And I fear God no more. I go forward to wander forever in a wilderness of his infinite mercy alone. Well, before you wander off into the blur of the holidays, please allow me to interrupt your internal monologue However your life is being interrupted right now, however that interruption, unpleasant that interruption feels or appears, and no matter how unmarry-like your response to it is, well, God looked with favor on her, and today, God looks with favor on you. Merry Christmas.